All right. Um, I want to ask you to do something, if you, if you don't mind. Would you stand? I want to read the word today um, because just, um, just feel strong in my heart that we, we need to really receive and prepare to hear the word of the Lord this morning. And so, as I mentioned just a second ago, I want to talk to you about getting a, a winner's mentality, learning how to effectively deal with your flesh. And so I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and you'll see in the Living Bible, verse 24. In a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets first prize. So run your race to win. To win the contest, you must deny yourselves many things that would keep you from doing your best. An athlete goes to all this trouble just to win a blue ribbon or a silver cup. But we do it for a heavenly reward that never disappears. Come on, somebody say amen. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. Like an athlete, I punish my body, treating it roughly, training it to do what it should, not what it wants to. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would add those special blessings to the reading of your word. We love your word. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I pray for that anointing that we would go beyond the flesh and the intellect that you, Lord, would, that we would encounter your presence, hear your spirit speak to our spirits that we might be transformed, shaped, delivered, saved, made stronger, have vision and purpose, Lord God, restored for our lives. I pray, Lord, for every person in this room, every person to have a special message from you to them as we open your word this morning in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody say amen, amen. Turn and tell three people, I'm a winner and you are too. Tell them and you can be seated. So we're in week four or five of this series on order, getting everything in order. And we talk that God blesses order. Our job isn't to get blessed. Our job is to get in order. If we're in order, blessing comes. We talked in the first week about holiness, that the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And that doesn't just mean in the afterlife. That means now. You won't have a vision, a relationship, an encounter with him without holiness. And we broke that down. And we all admitted that we need a fresh revelation of holiness in the church. Do you know that this stat just came out last month? In 2020, there were 380,000 churches in America. At the start of this year, there are 244,599. Something is going on. There is a massive shift. That's a whole nother subject. But as we begin to talk about the word and um, having a revelation for the things of God. And then the second week we talked about worldliness and the fact that fish don't realize they're wet. It's all they've ever known. And for the person living on planet Earth, until you get redeemed from the curse, 
being controlled by that spirit, the indoctrinating spirit of the Antichrist spirit that's in the world. You don't even realize it, but we know that we can't love the world or the things of the world. In doing that, we can't receive the love of God. And so those are the things that we've set up. As a foundation, we begin to talk about getting our lives, marriages, families, finances, faith, fitness in order. That's the, the foundation. And last week, we began to talk about dealing with our flesh and um, felt good about what the Lord did. All week long, I tried to prepare another sermon, and the Lord said, circle back. And so it's not my fault. It's the Lord's. I was done, my flesh is good, but it's some of y'all that need it one more week. <laughs> but seriously, I really, I can't tell you how important, how critical this subject is, and how we are so careless and overlook it. Carnal Christianity, it's like fish. They don't realize they're wet. So many carnal Christians don't even realize they're not led by the Spirit. They're led by their feelings, emotions, their flesh. So last week we closed the sermon with this verse, 1 Peter 2.11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, some translation, pilgrims, aliens, you don't belong here, this world's not your home. So abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. The message translation says, don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. And so this morning, Galatians picking up from there, 5, verse 24, and the NIV says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, past tense, the flesh with all its passions and desires. Those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh. The flesh, what is the flesh? It's that old way that you lived before you came to Christ. That sin nature that you had, that no one had to treat you how to get angry or teach you how to get angry or say mine and be demanding. Flesh, that part of you that really wants what you know you shouldn't want. It's that part of you that wants to hit that snooze button again and again and again. It's that part of you that wants to drive down to the varsity today for lunch when the Spirit is saying, no, take Candace to Jason's Deli and have a salad and some healthy soup. <laughs> Your flesh wants to respond to that comment that employee made that let you know they'd be interested in having a little more time with you if you were up for it. Your flesh loves clickbait, to watch those reels that take you down a path and dig a hole for you. Your flesh loves it. Your flesh wants to call and see if you can get a higher limit on your credit card because your flesh has sold you the idea that you can handle it and that there's nothing wrong with paying 28% APR interest rate. Your flesh is never satisfied. It always wants more. One more look. One more drink. One more text. Your flesh is never satisfied. We have in this verse a definition of those who belong to Christ. It says those 
who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. Who's Jesus coming back for? Those who belong to him. That's who he's coming back for. This is no small subject that just the hardcore double shot espresso churches deal with. The flesh. This is a real biblical issue. Somebody say amen. Now the New King James Version in Galatians chapter 5. In the message it says it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way. Look, the, the message says it's obvious what it looks like when you're living in the flesh. The New King James says, now the works of the flesh are evident. They are to everybody except the person who's operating in the flesh. They don't know it. They're the last one to know. It's them. Galatians 5 and the message as we read last week, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods. Magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. All-consuming, yet never satisfied once. A brutal temper. An impotence to love or be loved. Divided homes. Divided lives. Small-minded. Lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. And Paul says, I could go on. And This is not an exhaustive list. It's evident when you're walking in the flesh. It's amazing. If you could get a little better control of your flesh, how much less warfare you'd be dealing with. There's four categories that we see here in this order, in this list. Now, I want you to just pay attention. The first one is, and this is the one that's usually most common to people. And it's sexual issues, sexual impurity. The New King James says adultery, fornication, sex outside of marriage, uncleanness, lewdness, perversion. And the first fruit of walking in the flesh listed here is that category of sexual bondage. And somebody hear me. Sex is not just any other sin. Paul teaches later in other places that sex sins are worse than other sins. It's a sin against your own body. And I know sex is an idol in our culture, and it's not popular to stand up. When more preachers are looking at pornography every week than preachers who are not looking at it. But I come to say sexual perversion, sexual immorality, Sex outside of marriage will not lead to blessing. Come on, somebody. The second thing that we see is, please pay attention, has to do with the occultic. He mentions idolatry. Now, if we raise our hands, how many of us are, we have little idols, leisure, money, a number of things. And that's the fruit of the flesh. And he goes on and says, sorcery or witchcraft. Please listen. Something so evil as witchcraft starts in the flesh. Once the flesh comes into cooperation and chooses to rebel, rebel against what the word says you should do. The Bible says rebellion is the, as the sin of witchcraft. 
And when the flesh steps in to cooperate, then the satanic comes in and takes over. And then you've got strongholds and a whole nother level of warfare. And Paul says, these idols got to go. It's witchcraft. It's the fruit of walking in the flesh. Now, pay attention to that before we skip over. Pay attention to that. Um, this is what got Adam and Eve into trouble. Their first desire was to know you'll be like God. And what, what was it that got them? The thing that gets so many of us in our flesh, curiosity. What would it be like to go to dinner with her? What would it be like to try that drug? Curiosity. What would it be like to just go see a palm reader just one time? It's curiosity that leads us down. It's the work of the flesh. The third one is divisiveness. And listen, it's, it's the longest list. And it's the most overlooked on the list. Because Christians are careless on these things. And I beg you, we can clean up the warfare in your life. We can get you on a path to winning the race. If we can deal with this stuff. The longest list, most overlooked. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, and murder. Listen, everything that divides relationships is a product of the flesh. Everything that divides homes and families and churches, marriages, is a product of the flesh. It's often not Satan or spiritual warfare. He preys on our flesh. It's a whole nother teaching. It would take an hour to unpack it. But Francis Frangipane in the 80s and 90s wrote about God gave Satan the right to pray and eat our flesh. We will go from dust to dust. And Satan is a snake crawling on the ground consuming that part of us if we could break this careless spirit about being divisive we would we would see so much more blessing in our life it's quiet in here and i'm just still in the intro but i'm okay pinch your neighbor make sure they're still breathing and the last one i i got to do you realize every time people are being drawn together, Holy Spirit's at work. Every time people are being divided and separated, Satan is at work. He loves to divide people. Come on, somebody say amen. The fourth and the last one is self-indulgence, I'll call it. Drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Just too much. Overeating, overdrinking, overindulging your physical appetite. And Paul says, people who do this will not inherit the kingdom. You won't live under the rule of God's kingdom coming to your life as it is in heaven. His will being done. Now, I don't want anybody, this is heavy stuff, but I don't want anybody to feel guilty this morning about your struggles with your flesh. We all struggle with our flesh. And it never goes away, dadgummit. The fact that you have this struggle is evidence that you are spiritually alive. 
If you were spiritually dead, you'd be sitting there going, I, I wish so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so was here to hear this sermon because they need it. Just laugh, keep breathing. Just, I know some of y'all were thinking that. But you, this is your chance early on in this sermon to recalibrate. Come on, somebody. We're talking about you and we're talking about me. Now, you are probably right now, with a few exceptions, you are probably right now reaping what you've been sowing in your life. Right now. And the Bible is clear on this. Even so much so it says, even in Genesis, seed time and harvest. As long as the sun comes up on this planet, seed time and harvest. In the New Testament, Paul, in this same passage, in Galatians 6, he says, don't be misled. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness harvests a crop of weeds. As he'll have to show for his life, all he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, how many of you, that's you, that's me, come on. The one who plants in response to God, come on, get your hands up. Just shake off all that guilt and shame that you're feeling right now. Just shake off all those thoughts of he's right. I'm reaping a bunch of you know what. And, and the shame and guilt and distraction you're buried in. The enemy would have you to just give up, never try. And the Lord comes to say, no, just stop sowing the wrong stuff and start sowing the right stuff. Letting God's spirit do the growth work in him. Harvest a crop of real life, eternal life. Now, I got to just stop here a second. How many of you know that's your inheritance? If you are a Christian, if you are a son or a daughter of God, life, real life, eternal life, that is your inheritance. Free life, abundant life, that is your inheritance. In Jesus' name, amen. And you got to know, you know, who you are. This past week, I got up at like 4 a.m. on Tuesday to fly down and get to that funeral pastor friend of mine. And there were hundreds of people, a bunch of close friends of mine. And um, I had recently ordered a, um, some Chanel, a friend of mine, cologne. And I didn't know this. Chanel's got like 25, 30 different fragrances, scents. And, um, but I got the right one. And when I was checking out, it said, just click here and you can send some samples. And so it was four o'clock in the morning. I showered. I got to run, get to the airport. And I grabbed one of those samples. And I, you know, one of those, like, not just a little dab, but just, and it was a cloud came out. And I realized too late. That's a female scent. <laughs> but it's too late. I got a flight to catch. I'm in the car turning me on. I'm looking for Kansas somewhere. True story. Thank God I wasn't going to a funeral where I'd be hugging 500 people and have to explain to them what happened to me and why I'm wearing my wife's fragrance and I'm not going to have to sit on a crowded flight to Tampa 
Every flight from Atlanta to Tampa is crowded. Thank God I know who I am. And I still flexed. I was afraid I was going to come back with a boyfriend or something, you know. God help me. Life will jack you up. It will really disorient you and wear you down. And your flesh is like a bad fragrance. And you know, it's early in the day and I hit it hard. And some of you, you got to get delivered from And I'm talking, I'm coming after you. I'm not coming this morning with man's words of enticing wisdom. I'm coming after. Some of you are going to, you're going to work through this, whatever you're feeling right now. There is a revelation coming in this room, this service and the next one. Your flesh is never going to go away, but you're going to learn how to make that thing be subject to your spirit. You're going to get back in the driver's seat. Come on, somebody. Now, don't be misled. You're probably reaping right now what you've been sowing. Now, four things I want to say. Number one, you need to know. Everybody say no. You need to know that your flesh is not your friend. You were born with a sin nature. The wages of sin is death. Your flesh and the devil are working as partners to take you down the same road of misery and death. You've got to know that your flesh is not cute. It's deceptive. It's manipulative. And it will take you down a road of destruction if you give it time. Romans 7 verse 18, Paul says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. Now, everybody look here. Often the difference between a spiritually mature person and a person who's not mature is the spiritually mature person knows that no good thing deals or dwells within themselves. Are y'all out there? And so I want you to take a look at this, the three Fs, facts, faith, and feelings. The spiritually mature person knows that they are led by facts and their faith is built on the facts of what? The Word of God. So they know the facts, the truth is found in the Word. And their faith, Romans 10 verse 17, where does faith come from? It comes from hearing the word. Just spending time in the word will build your faith, whether you want to or not. If you spend time in the word. And then your feelings will need to line up, but you'll have to recalibrate them all the time. But so many people are led by their feelings, their emotions. Adults. I'm an emotional, passionate person. You know how I'm wired. But I have to learn. It's not how I feel. It's not my emotions. It's what are the facts. And so you have to live as a spiritually mature person knowing from left to right, not right to left. If you let your feelings continue to lead you around, you're going to be a miserable wretch. And nobody wants to be that. Nobody wants to be married to that. Nobody wants to live with that. 
So God comes to give you a revelation of truth this morning. You've heard it before, you've tried it, but you're getting ready to cross into a threshold where you are going to say, I am no longer going to let my feelings dictate what is happening in my world, in Jesus' name. Now, you've got to understand, your feelings, you can sometimes feel terrible about something God is doing in your life that's great. And you can feel great about something the devil is destroying you with. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? And so we've got to know the facts. Come on, somebody. I just, in the name of Jesus, I just pray over this room. Set us free from being led around by our feelings and our emotions. And Holy Spirit, quickly reveal. Pop up a red light on our dash. Check engine. Pull over. The wrong person's in the driver's seat. The second thing this morning, you need to know that a life of freedom is what Jesus came to give to you. Everybody say, to me. To me. Say it out loud. Proclaim it. He came to give a life of freedom to me. And turn and tell somebody, listen, you need to speak this into the person or person sitting beside you. Tell them, and to you too, to you as well. He came to give you a life of freedom. Now, we know how, why Satan came, to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came, I know you've heard this your whole life, to give you life, abundant life, free life. Everybody look, just freedom. What is freedom? It's more than a cliche that pastors use on Sundays. It's, it's freedom. Having purpose. Having some measure of joy in your life. Being Hope-filled, regardless. This is your inheritance. Yeah, there are problems, there are challenges. Sometimes they're great and almost overwhelming, but they're not. Because you're an overcomer. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. As your federal representative that went ahead of you, take heart. I've overcome the world. Come on, somebody. That is your, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He works with your emotions, with your flesh. Jesus came that you might have life. John 8, 32, you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. Six verses later, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Free for real. Galatians 5, 1 says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. Not to be religious or vote Republican. Or live in the South and be proud of it. He came to set you free so you could be a commercial to the whole world living in bondage. What it's like to be a daughter of the king or a son of the king. He came to set you free. Now, he goes on to say, pick up, this leads us to our next point. Christ has set us free to live a free life. I just, I, I, I know I got to move on. I declare freedom in this room to the captives. I declare revelation, eye-opening spiritual aha moments in this room, Lord, for people, elders, people group leaders, staffs, pastors, all of us, freedom, spiritual freedom. 
in this room in Jesus' name. Paul says in the B part of Galatians 5, so take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Nobody wants to be slaves. That's what the enemy wants us to be, enslaved by our own flesh. Brings me to our third point. You need to learn how to take your stand against your flesh. You think I've been coming in hot so far. Get ready, because here I come. He, you need to learn how to take your stand against your flesh in anything that tries to enslave you. you got to get mean about this thing. You need to treat your flesh like you're an army ranger, like a navy seal coming in to destroy the works of the enemy. You've got to treat your flesh like the murderer it is, the robber, that it, the thief that it is. You got to talk to it when it rises up and tell it to sit down. Your flesh, when it rises up to negotiate, you got to tell it an affirmative, declarative no. This conversation's over. 2 Corinthians 10, Paul said, We demolish. This is, these are military terms. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Pretensions, that's a whole sermon right there. Things that pretend to be true, mirages. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Y'all out there, your flesh is just like mine. It's sketchy, it's slimy, it's tricky, it's deceptive. And you go, I know PC, but it's so hard I know it is. Welcome to life on planet Earth. That's why Peter said, we're strangers, aliens. So abstain from that stuff. And as hard as it is, hear me, your pastor telling you, it's hard, but you can do it. You're a winner. God is for you. And you need to stand up to it. And go ahead and choose what hard you're going to do. In this life, you've probably read the old saying, we don't know who said it, but choose your heart. Marriage is hard. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Divorce is hard. Choose your heart. Obesity is hard. Being fit is hard. Choose your heart. Being in debt is hard. Being disciplined financially is hard. Choose your heart. Communication is hard. Non-communication is hard. Choose your heart, somebody. Life will never be easy. It will always be hard. We're not wired for eternal life here. We're wired for it there. So choose your heart and choose wisely. Somebody listen to me this morning. I, I talk to people all the time. Talked to one of my children recently. And I said, here's what you've got to do with that stronghold, that whole argument, that whole subject that has, the enemy is allowed to erect in your mind to control how you feel about this situation. And I said to him, when the thought comes, as soon as it comes, you've got to say, nope, 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 nope. And there will be times 
that it's, you're two or three minutes into nursing that thought and you didn't realize it. And you gotta, you gotta stop and go, nope, get out of here, we're gonna tear all that stuff. Nope, that's not true, I'm not gonna, nope, 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 nope. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and sometimes the, your flesh will start thinking, I can't believe, why did, what they did, they said, ooh. And you're three minutes in going, I've come into agreement with it. They got the second story up. The windows are going in. Here comes the HVAC. And you got to go, no, no, no. Get out of here. No. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, t- I counsel people. I don't do a lot of counseling anymore, but I'll catch with people here and there. And I'll tell them, this is what you got to do. And they'll say, I know, Pastor Chuck. I know that's what I got to do. I'm like, you don't get it. I know, but it's, it's so hard. You got to stop saying, stop letting your flesh, and your feelings tell your spirit. It's much easier said than true, or it's easier said than done. You, you got to stop all that. You got to deconstruct. You got to tear down. You got to root out all of it. I'm getting sweaty up here trying to help somebody understand this is how the enemy works in partnership with your flesh. And you got to take a stand and say, no, 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 no. Take captive every thought and make them obedient to the mind of Christ so that you can be free. Come on, if you're gonna praise the Lord. Come on, someone praise him. You're getting set free. You're learning a new weapon right now. Even your praise right now is telling the devil, be quiet, leave me alone. Come on, somebody praise him like you're a free person. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lastly, number four. You've got to experience the power of the resurrection. Now, hold on. These love, death, resurrection, the three major themes of our faith, Christianity. You've got to come to understand the value of death, taking up the cross daily. Hebrews 12. Everybody look. This is the pattern Jesus lived it out for us to show us how. This is so simple. Some of you are so smart and intellectually wired. I'm afraid you'll miss it. Jesus was emotionally distraught to the point of capillaries were bursting, going, I don't want to go to the cross, but I want to do your will. Is there any other way? Is there any other way around it? And he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Anybody relate to that? The flesh is weak. And Hebrews said, he endured the cross for the delayed gratification of what was to come. We need a revival of embracing spiritual delayed gratification. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Galatians 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. 
But Christ lives in me. The life I now live. Wait, you just said you've been crucified with Christ. How are you living? I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I thought you were dead. But Christ, Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith. Facts, faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So you can live after you die. Yeah, in fact, until you die, you're not really alive. Taking up your cross. He who seeks to save his life will lose it. He who gives it away for his sake will find it. Philippians 3, my favorite verse. For 35 years in ministry, Paul said, I, I want to know Christ. And you know before this, he said, all the degrees, that was just rubbish. It was, you know, it was y yucky words. He says, but this is what it's about. I want to know Christ. Yes, look at this. I want to know the power of his resurrection. Everybody look here. Paul's not saying, I want to understand the doctrine so I can teach it. He's like, I want to know Christ, and I want to experience the power of his resurrection. I can unpack that for days. And participation of in his sufferings. No, wait, Paul, no, I don't want that. I just want the power of his resurrection. Well, you don't get it until you're dead. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Yes, Lord. This is, we have a carnal Christianity in this country. You don't even hear that term anymore. In the 90s when I first came on staff here, there was a, people talked about it, like, too many carnal Christians. Now, American Christians, that's all we know. Listen, we parent in the flesh to the flesh. We don't want to deal with our child's flesh, so we appease them. It's behavior modification. We give them rewards to keep them out of trouble. It's flesh to flesh. Flesh gives birth to flesh. There's no good thing in the flesh. We pastor in the flesh. We preach. We build our ministries in the flesh. We build our churches, the kingdom of flesh. No wonder we've gone from 380,000 churches to 244, 599 in four years. There's no transformation because there's no death. There's no cross. How many of you, you want to know the power of the resurrection? Even if you have to identify and share in the fellowship of sufferings. Everybody wants a miracle until they need one. They don't want to need one. Now, I want to know Christ. Coming to a close here, look. 1 Peter chapter 4, we see this same subject. This probably will be the last sermon on this series on the flesh, but I can't promise you. Man, when you see something in the Word, you see it all the way through the Word. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, it's everywhere. And then you turn on Christian TV or you go online. You see, there's just flesh everywhere. You're like, God, deliver me. I told Candace, there's some carnal junk going on in, in the church system that I'm a part of. And I told her, I said, honey, if, if you ever see me politicking and negotiating, and self-promoting like that. Call me out. It's so common. Shepherds need to roll up their sleeves. 
We've glorified all these things and just fed our flesh. Deliver us, Lord. 1 Peter 4, since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Think of your sufferings as a weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. Because somebody say, he's talking about you and you and you and you. This is what, this, the, the greatest benefit from fasting for me is not losing weight. It's realizing I can control my flesh. And there's spiritual breakthroughs that come too. But if you fast for one day, you will realize your flesh needs to be put on a shorter leash. Y'all out there? And you can gain mastery over it. And don't let it enslave you. You can enslave it. Because you're running to get the prize. Then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized about what you want. Come on, somebody just thank the Lord for His word. How does this play out? It plays out like this, tell you this story. So a young girl in her 20s is single. She meets a young man. And he doesn't go to church, but he starts coming to church with her. And he starts showing her love and honor. And she goes to her pastor and to her parents. And they say to her, he, he's, he's coming to church to get you. But he has no real relationship with you. And she has a choice. Crucify herself or not crucify herself. And she goes, I'm going to crucify myself. And so she goes, I don't like being lonely. I just want to get married one day and have kids. Delayed, and eight and a half months later, here comes a man. God breathes into her heart, to her life, and everybody knows, and it's obvious. You took up your cross, and look what the Lord has done. As opposed to going, I'm not going to crucify myself. Now I'm married. And I can't get him to come to church. And I've got these kids. And now we're talking about joint custody. Alimony and child support. And now I'm more lonely now than I've ever been. Choose your heart. And if you're here today and you go, Pastor Chuck, you just described 
my situation on the bad side then honey start planting the right seeds now the right seeds can even create a crop failure on your past to some measure are y'all out there and so I, I want to declare to you I, I, this, this, I wanted to preach something else the Lord wouldn't let me and I'm here to declare to you God is imparting to you right now a winner's mentality if, if, if you're sitting there going Pastor Chuck that's so simplified you can't just say it you need to do what I said in the third point take a stand go nope some of you, Satan is not going to let you get out these doors before he's going to just attack your mind with, he said, free life to me, but it ain't really to me, it's to others, but not to me. Tell the devil he's a liar. Are y'all out there? Come on, stand with me to your feet right now. Come on, stand to your feet. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you, I want to pray over everybody that comes to the altar if I can. I want to. And, and I, I'm going to ask you, I'm not playing games with you. If you are here today and you're like, i got to get mastery over my flesh. The Holy Spirit is speaking to me through what you just preached, Pastor. I want you to run to this altar. No playing around. Come right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, come. Don't even look around to see if anybody else is coming. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Taking captive every thought. Going to make it obedient to the mind of Christ. Signing up for delayed gratification. Come on, in the name of Jesus, there's more that need to step out. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want to ask specifically, uh, elders and Pastor Munn, if you'll come, just take anointing oil. In the name of Jesus. And we're going to pray over every person. I just, in the name of Jesus. Come on, keep coming. In the name of Jesus. Tell the devil, no, I'm not going to stay in this seat. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going. It could be stepping out is the thing that God honors to break the chains in the name of Jesus. Now just lift your hands and just begin to tell the Lord in the name of Jesus, I want the cross. I want the cross. I'm taking up the cross. I'm taking up the cross. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to know the power of the resurrection. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord Jesus. That's it. He will never fail. I trust in God. He's fortifying you right now, giving you the ability to stand up. You are no longer subject to your feelings, thoughts of the past, shame, or guilt. Your heart is racing this morning because you are spiritually alive. It's not because you are dead. It's because you're spiritually alive. Savior, the
on, everybody. Let's lift it up to the Lord. Come on, celebrate the freedom that he has wrought. So, Father, over every person in this sanctuary right now, I pray, Lord, especially for revelation that we are destined to win children of eternal promise. I pray especially an ability to stand against every thought. I pray, Lord, that those thoughts that already have been rooted in our lives, I pray, Lord, for a pesticide spiritual orkin to come in and help us root them out every stronghold patterns of thinking that have lasted for years reveal them lord that we might seek you and no truth no truth no truth k-n-o-w no truth facts that causes our faith to be bolstered and against all odds to know you are for us. You're in our corner. They're more with us than there are against us. I'm feeling this big time up here right now. Some of you, you're not finished. In the name of Jesus, if the odds are a million to one, God wants you to know that's all you need. You're the one in the name of Jesus. Destruction, children that have been wounded, trauma that we've gone through in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, build these men and women up. Edify them. Teach them to pray in the Spirit, Lord. Let the river of life flow up out of them, Lord, bringing deliverance to them and those around them in the name of Jesus. I just declare you are now free. Walk in your freedom. It is for freedom that you have been set free in the name of Jesus. Come on, everybody. Come on, let's lift up a victorious shout in here. We love you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I, I want, if you today feel, there's two things I feel. You know, I said, you're probably reaping what you've sown. And there are some exceptions, because sometimes you're reaping something somebody else sowed. That's why I left that, but I want you to know that. But God can still bless if you'll sow the right stuff. Don't let flesh, fleshly action is looking for fleshly reaction. Just don't react. Walk in faith, walk in the truth of the word. And I just declare over you all, you, you may go, I, this sermon was good, but I, I need somebody to help. I need a counselor to help me unpack. And you may, but hear me. Pastor Jack Hayford preached the great sermon 
the Holy Spirit, colon, my great psychiatrist. The Holy Spirit can get done. Now, you may need some help because I know there, there's trauma we deal with. But I want you to know you're on the road to winning this thing. You, you are going to overcome. Everybody feel the, the, the sense of victory in here. over every, And do not walk back down that aisle and go, I don't feel any different. Well, that does, your feelings have nothing to do with it. It's settled. What does the Bible say? Well, Pastor Chuck said, I'll know the truth. That's it. If you know the truth intimately, you'll know freedom. And he whom the Son sets free is free for real. In Jesus' name. Amen? So, Father, seal us by your Ephesians chapter 1. Seal us by the Spirit. You said that there are things you wanted to tell the disciples, but they weren't prepared for it. But when the Holy Spirit came, not only would he tell them those things, he would lead them in all truth. You wouldn't leave us as orphans, you said. I will send the Spirit, the Comforter, the Paraclete. We need some Paracletes up in here. We need a Paraclete. The one who comes along and holds us up and helps us and shows us the way and protects us and prospers us, gives us peace and purpose and power. Hallelujah. So we pray for dunamis to be released in this church family. And every man and woman, dunamis, dynamic, ruach of God, breathe on us, Lord. We would live and not die. In Jesus' name we pray. Children of promise, winners. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. I got another service to preach, but I want to celebrate this one, you know. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Say it, I receive it. Love y'all. Have a good morning, everybody.